Hi, welcome to the Midtown Vineyard Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us online. For daily encouragement, events, service times, and more, check out our website and social media. And now, this week's message. When I was looking at the passage, getting ready for today, there was something I noticed. And it's in this section of verses, these 17 verses, Paul takes us to a theological stance about who God is. And then he moves us to life change. And then the application for the individual, and then application for the family. And so we are going to move from the, we're going to kind of hit those portions and kind of focus on that. So at the very beginning, um, where I began reading, it's probably seemed like a long time since it's 17 verses, but back at one, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So I started looking through this, and in verse 3, we just looked through this, is that it also says, let your mind be um, focused. And so as I was looking, I was like, it seems super repetitive, right? Let your heart be, let your mind be. And so I just took some time, and I looked at these verses individually, and one of the things that I come to find as looking in commentaries and everything, the Greek doesn't really have the word heart, like we understand it in this. It has something else, But the NIV translated it that way because it fits really well with our culture. Like it makes sense with the context of what the passage is saying. And instead of heart, we could replace it with desires. Like those base needs that are within you. Those things that just drive your decisions. It might be those things that would cause you to do something wrong or might be the very thing that will cause you to do something right. But he's saying we... We in our culture say that from, from your heart is like the deepest part of you, right? And so that's what this passage is saying. In that inner deepest part of you, set those things on Christ. In those deepest longings that you have, let's tune those to Christ. And in verse 2, it says, set your minds on things above, not earthly things. Okay, so sandwiched in between these two things about our, my, our heart and our mind is that to set things on above. Well, why would he put that right in the middle? Why didn't he just go right into our He's reminding us of what he reminded us in the first part of Colossians. Paul is saying to us that you serve a God that sits on a throne that supersedes any other kingdom you will ever know or experience. That is the source of your power in your life. So put your mind, you put your heart, the deep desires in your heart, put it towards that kingdom. The God that sits on the throne that is superseding every other thing. Set your heart to his things. Set your heart to who he is and what he's accomplished on the cross. And then so we get down to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Okay, so the mind portion. So I'm wrestling with this, and I'm thinking heart, mind. It felt super interchangeable until I got a little bit more into the passage and just looking at it. In the mind speaks to values. Allow your values to be shaped by the very thing that's in your heart. Does that make sense? So our values are those things that we give priority to, 
Our values are those things that we um, put a, um, that we put in high importance in our life, and that we will choose over other things because of our values. It will dictate how we actually act. See, the heart is the root, right? But then it shapes what we give value to. And so in these passages, he's telling these folks and us, he's saying, okay, deal with the heart at the root, but allow it to work outward. Allow it to begin to shape the very values that you have and the things that you prioritize in your life. It's a little different, right? It's very closely tied together, but there's just a little difference. And then it says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So whenever I was looking through this, this portion was the most troublesome of all of it for me. Because I was working with this idea of hidden being tucked away. Like the psalmist talk about um, sheltered under your wing, hidden away, protected, provided for. I, rem- I was working with that kind of definition. While that is not wrong, we see that all over Scripture. That is, a, is, that lines up with God's Word. It's not the fullness, I think, of what is here. This hidden means kind of saturated with and covered. Right? It means like you've been enveloped by this. Like your life is no longer here functioning in this world thing. You've been enveloped in this new kingdom. You have been taking into something totally different and countercultural than you're ever going to experience. It's hidden away in Christ. And then there's this other element of hidden. Because it says right here in um, verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So you've been enveloped. You've been brought into this new thing. You're tucked away in Christ. You're hidden in Christ. But it also means that there's a future revelation that will bring great joy. Because you're in it. Because when Christ returns and he's exposed and everything will finally be exposed as to who he is, this hidden piece, it says right here, you will also appear with him in glory. It's got a future element in this hiddenness. Not just a protection currently, but this tucked away and sustaining hiddenness in Christ that will then eventually result in glory, where there's no longer. See, there's this thing um, we call in the vineyard like the already and the not yet. The already being that we have already experienced Christ and the work on the cross. We can already experience the work that he did that could save us from ourselves, save us from our brokenness. So Christ did that very thing But then the not yet is we're not getting to live in the fullness of it yet because he hasn't brought the time to be completely exposed and his kingdom just come. That's the not yet portion, right? And so this hidden piece helps us understand like we're enveloped, enveloped. (laughs) Um, We're enveloped in this and we're tucked away, but there's an anticipation for future 
and it all makes sense. It's kind of this whole thing of like we function differently than the world, or at least we should, and, and it won't make a whole lot of sense. Does that make sense? Like it's not going to make a whole lot of sense in the world um, when you make decisions about things. Uh, somebody was sharing with me earlier about how they made a decision about selling their home and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's this whole idea of according to, according to this world, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense because we're functioning differently. We're in that kingdom, the already, and waiting for the not yet. So... Verse 5 says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. I think we can consider all those things and kind of have a working understanding of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, those desires that take us places where we don't want to go. Um, and then this whole idea of um, evil desires, maybe it's you're wishing evil towards someone because they've wronged you or something like that, or maybe you're just longing for something that seems enticing um, and greed. Now, other translations, instead of greed, say covetousness. Okay, so I'm going to hang out on that one the most because I think in the preparation is probably the one we're the most comfortable with. I think as a culture, we're probably the most comfortable with covetousness and greed. I think because of everything around us, every advertisement we see, everything that people are doing, keeping up with the Joneses, all that kind of stuff, I think is probably pretty comfortable for us. And I think sometimes we disguise it as a goal. How's that one? Right? Like we disguise it as, oh, my goal is to have X type of retirement. My goal is to drive this type of car. Well, goals in and of themselves aren't bad, right? That's not the problem. A goal to have, um, to achieve or to push towards something is not the problem. It's when it is the motive behind it in order that you might be like or that you might look like something. You see? And so we, we put out goals and things, and we get really comfortable, I believe, with this whole thing of covetousness. I think we're, we're happy with, um, with the whole rat race of earn money, buy things, earn money, buy things, earn money, buy things. I'm not going to hang out too long on that. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Okay, so he makes it really clear in verse 6. You've died to these things. These should not be your characteristic. These should not be the things you're known for because you're different, you're changed. But he said, because of things, the wrath of God is coming. That little tag there is signifying that don't get comfortable with all the things of this world because those very things bring about wrath. It's the very thing that God could not be with. He cannot be with sin. So the way that he could be with us is to send his son to pay the price for us. That was God's wrath poured out on his son in order that we might be in right relationship with him. Paul is telling us, you see all these things, don't get real comfortable about those. Those are the things that bring about wrath. Those are the things that put Christ on the cross. Right? 
So in seven, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. We kind of covered that, right? But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with his practices. Okay, so when you look at this list of um, things, we can see that whole um, heart and mind piece that we just unpacked. Because some of these things like anger and rage, they just well up out of your heart, right? It's that thing that if you're feeding it when you get stuck in traffic, obscenities might leak out. You know, or it's that thing where somebody just says the wrong thing and just rage forms in your body. That's kind of that base stuff, that desire portion that he's saying to address. But then if you look a little bit further and you're looking at all these things where it's like uh, malice, slander, those things are towards others. Those are those things of value. We don't see others with the same value that God sees them. Because if we would speak slander or person, think malice towards someone, we don't have a really good understanding of how much God loves that person. Do you see how the heart and mind are different in some of these? Because it shapes the very way we will be outwardly expressing our lives. Don't lie to each other. That's the old stuff. Those are the old things. Paul moves into a portion in this passage where he talks about clothing, and we're going to dive into it in a minute. But it's that whole thing of, I used to do some lawn care in the evenings and things. Um, in those days like this in July, where it is just hot and you are sweating and you are out cutting and maybe the grass isn't the greatest at this place and there's dust flying and all that kind of stuff. And you just kind of get saturated with it. But when you look down and see the sweat, there's little trail marks in the dirt because you're so dirty. You know, like maybe you're used to this because you like working in your yard or something, but um, you can relate. Like you've been filthy, you've been working in your house, your yard or something. Well, that's the old us. That's the old thing. Christ has put a new creature in us. And so he's relating it to clothing. He's like, don't put back on those things. It would be like me going home and saying after one of those really nasty days of walking in the door, greeting Amy and the kids, and playing with the wild man Phil for a minute, and then I just go put on clean clothes on top of what I'm wearing. I don't shower. I don't change my clothes. I just put on fresh clothes, and I say, oh, this is the new me. No. He's wanting us to be at the root regenerated, regenerated, renewed. And so that's why Paul is saying, don't go back to these old things. You have been washed clean. So it would, it would be in effect that, okay, I got my shower. I come back out and I'm like, oh, I could put on a clean t-shirt and shorts, or I could go get my old clothing that I just took off and put it right back on. That's the same thing that he's saying in our actions and the way that we handle and conduct ourselves is he's saying, don't clothe yourself in those dirty Rags. That's not who you are anymore. So in verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ 
in all and is in all. There's something here for us for a minute. Um, If Paul was writing this today, he would have to say to us, there's no white, there's no black, there's no Hispanic, there's no Asian. That just does not exist in God's kingdom. He would also say it towards social status. He said there is no homeless, there is no wealthy, there is no middle class, there is none of that in God's kingdom. Like it just doesn't exist. He functions outside of all of this. And so what he is saying is stop dividing yourselves when the kingdom of God never divided you. Stop putting barriers between you and functioning as a family when God never put that there. You placed it there. There's none of that. There's none of this of circumcised, uncircumcised, those that follow certain rules in their faith and those that don't. Like that's, that's a division that he's saying is just not in the kingdom of God anymore. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Who wants their church to be like that? Right? Yeah. Like we want to be known as dearly loved people who are are living out of that. Like we are so in tune with what God has done in our life and what he is doing internally that we then live it outwardly. How wonderful would it be if people say, oh, that Midtown church, they are so kind to me. They were so humble in their approach of dealing with me. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. All right, y'all. Okay, so bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances. Again, verses 1 through 4 are the foundation for any of this working. See, a lot of times we want to just jump to the end where we want to say, I want to be that guy that can forgive and move forward. I want to be that person that is kind, that is gentle. But the very foundational pieces we're not willing to work on. It's like if I was super excited and I saw somebody really fit at the gym and they're like, and I was like, oh man, I want to be that guy. And I go to the gym and I sit down and y'all don't laugh too hard. But if I take the bar and I put like 300 pounds on it and I lay down to try and bench it, what's going to happen? Yeah, y'all, what's going to happen? It ain't going to work, right? Except for maybe I get it over and crush myself under it. But it's that whole thing of we want to jump to the result. We want to jump to that place where we look like that certain thing or we have these certain qualities, but we're not willing to deal with the root of the issue of what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, renew your mind. Change your heart. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Man, how about that one? 
Like, because we want to hold our grievances. You know, it's just human nature. It's who we are. It's like a built-in. We, we want to hold it. We want to hold on to it. But if we truly understand what we've been forgiven of through Christ, if we truly grapple with the amount of forgiveness we needed and the things that we needed God to save us from, we're going to look a little bit different at the person that we're angry with, right? Because we're going to start to see, oh, they're in the image of God also. And it begins to lay the framework to work on the forgiveness. You see what I'm saying? And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Okay, so verse 16 tells us something too. Verse 16 says it matters who you are individually. Right? Because when we want our church to look a certain way, we want it to be a certain way, then we have to be that individually, right? Because when we come together and gather, we're just, we're an outpouring of the people. The church isn't the facility, it's the people, right? So if we are going to be this, it matters who we are individually to the greater group, to the family, and it puts a responsibility for us to consider and to work and to be regenerated. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. There it is, people. Like, we're not, you don't have to do this alone. Like, one, the power of Christ lives in you if you're regenerated. And if you are not, then it's there available if you would surrender your life to Christ. So, one, you're not on your own. Like, He is the, sus the sustaining power that brings about this regeneration. But then it's telling us right here, we're supposed to go about doing this thing together. Teaching one another, admonishing if there's something in somebody's life and we say, hey, I see this thing, what is that? And we should be willing to have that come back too, right? Like it's all these layers that it's not to be done solo. Like he's wanting us to walk this out and live this out together. And whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In these passages, there's a lot of heaviness, you know, like because it's corrective, but then also when we move to the last, it's encouraging. So when we leave here today, what I want you to walk away with and know is that you as an individual, it matters. God is longing for your heart and your mind to be in line with his. And then there's an outward expression of that that changes this entire place when we gather because then you bring you to the table, and I bring me, and it's the regenerated me, and the regenerated you, where we see God's gifts poured out on people, and where we see that things like All Nations Cafe has like 200-something students in a week, and, and they're hearing about the gospel. You see what I'm saying? Like, it matters who we are individually, but we're not left without 
hope in it. So that crazy wild man, Phil, that dog that is not going to do that ever again. Um, still hucklebutts, but we're working on it. And, and it's been interesting. We're now in July. He came to us in October. And what we've learned in working with Phil is if he doesn't get his exercise, it's going to be a crazy weird day at your house. You're just going to have this Tasmanian devil, right? But if he gets his exercise, all he wants to do is chase the ball, eat some food, and be loved. It's a great dog when you exercise him. Not destructive or anything. How did he learn to live and work inside our house? Because he came from the streets in Charleston, and I had to have a serious talk with him that day that totally told him that we're both going to be kicked out if you don't handle yourself better. And I don't care what happened on the mean streets of Charleston, but it's not going to be like that here in our house. It didn't work. Um, But it's one of those things where with consistency, with patience, with training... He's actually a really great dog. But he just didn't have any of that. Phil can now interact with other animals and not tackle them, throw them all over the room or whatever, treat them like stuffed animals, um, which he thought our uh, Shih Tzu was a stuffed animal at first and would run at him and hit it and want to toss him with his nose. And it was something. So... um, but he's now a dog that can actually go out in public. We can go to Home Depot, Lowe's, get our stuff, walks around. He gets socialized, and then we get back. It's pretty important when you have a dog like that to socialize it a lot, uh, and so we do. Um, but he's changed, and he is different with consistency, training. Do you see where I'm going with this? Like, we can be changed in different functioning in a whole different kingdom than what this world sees. Right? Isn't that what Scripture tells us? We can be regenerated. Like, this active thing of salvation that took place once is still active in us today. It didn't just solve a problem. It solved the problem, but then is the very power to change us into the image of the Son. Right? So, so what do we do about it? Like, why do we... Well, at the end of this um, passage here, he's telling us to admonish one another, to worship together, to continue. So there's this piece. We're going to, in just a few moments, we're going to sing together and we're going to um, worship. But what I want to pause and say is that if any point in the message today, whether you kept reading over to like chapter four and you tuned me out and God showed you something over there, that's totally fine too. It's not about me. You know, like whatever that piece is, whatever God said to you today, let's do something with it, right? Let's figure out how we might impart it to ourselves um, without just hearing the word and then walking away and not doing something. So let's challenge ourselves to do the things that it says to um, renew our minds. So if, there's, if there are things in your life that you um, are having trouble getting out of, um, 
maybe addiction. Let's spend some time praying about that this morning. Maybe there's something in your life that you've been carrying for a long time and you need to lay it down because it doesn't match up with the image of God. Maybe there's something. I can't, I can't list them all. I'm not coming up with a great list in my mind. But, but you know what they are. Right? Those things that you hold on to that don't look like the image of God and they don't bring about this regeneration in our lives and this change. We're going to take some time here in just a minute. We're going to sing. And I want us to respond just like this passage tells us to. Um, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. There's a thing that happens when we stand next to somebody and sing the words that are on that screen. It's more than just singing a song. Like if we're singing and listening to our brothers and sisters do the same, it encourages us to do the same. Like it's this secular thing. It's like just keeps encouraging us to walk with God in the fullness of who he is. We've got ways you can respond. Um, If you would like to come down here and pray at the kneelers, feel free. You could light a candle and pray. Um, There's communion over there on that table. I just want to make sure you guys are aware of one thing. I think you know this, but I, I want to make sure that you're aware of um, the, the opportunity that you have of us and staff. Um, you can take that all-in card, and if there's something you're trying to work out in your life that you would love to have another ear to hear, to pray with you, maybe see it from a different angle, Put it on that card. I told the first service, is like, I enjoy this. It's my role, but I'm probably the most me when I meet with you guys individually during the week. Don't rob yourself of that kind of stuff. And it's not about me either. It could be Skip, it could be Ashton, it could be any number of people. It's not about me. Um, but just this idea that you don't have to carry it alone. And that there's power for regeneration that you can change and be completely different. Isn't that wonderful? We're not without hope. We're going to try and walk this thing together. And if one of us needs assistance in an area, then we all do because we're a family, right? So let's do this thing together. Thank you again for joining us online. We hope you enjoyed the message. To connect with us, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook. For more information on who we are, check out our website, midtownvineyardchurch.com. We'd love to hear from you. Make sure you leave us a review or drop us a comment. Until next time, have a great day.